0: One of the blessings, we had an amazing week last week, didn't we? Uh, Last Sunday was a blessing in our church family, in our life, and and I saw a lot of pictures on the internet. And one of the things that really blessed my heart was the Back Row Bible Club. Uh, They used to be called the Back Row Baptist, but we're a non-denominational church. And so uh, y'all have been labeled the back row Bible club that y'all had the the Bibles open. I just saw a picture of y'all soaking in the Word of God and that is so awesome to see as a pastor. However, here at the church, uh, we are growing and it's a blessing and we have plenty of room available in the front row fundamentalist right up here in the front, uh, which is kind of crazy for me because the Oak Ridge boys will be here next week and they're getting $100 a piece for these seats right here and I can't give them away. So I don't know what the deal is with that, right? So uh, it is uh, one thing here at our church just to let you know that we, we desire to make much of Jesus. Uh, we're not a pastor-driven church. We are a gospel-driven church. Uh, while I may preach the word, it's the word that does the preaching. And so we pray that we are digging into the word of God uh, in Philippians chapter three. If you're able to at this time, stand in honor of reading God's word for us this morning. Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through 21. The Word of God says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way, And if in anything you think otherwise, God will will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and they'll tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly and their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open your Word this morning, as we study your Word May uh, you be with me as I as I preach it and proclaim it, Lord, with boldness, with clarity, with precision of speech, with conviction of heart that the Holy Spirit is working in this room. But Lord, we know that your word will not return void. And so, Lord, I pray as we study this passage, we make much of you, we point to the cross and people respond for what you have laid on their hearts. Lord, as someone is here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, Alex, can you uh, turn down the fan a little bit, bro? Um, we have a fan on me every week because I uh, get a little bit worked up when I, when I preach. And uh, so it's actually kind of cool, otherwise you'll see me sweating profusely. Um, And so uh, we have a fan that's on me. And uh, last week I preached on a topic called relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals. And in that passage, uh, we talked about two questions. We talked about what is your relationship goals when it comes to Christ Jesus? And and then secondly, what is your measure of obtaining those goals? And it's something we looked at last week. And one of the things that my youngest daughter told me uh, that she got out of the sermon was, she came to me and she said, Uh, Dad, would you please never use the term throwing shade, hip, or hashtag ever again in a sermon? Uh, That's embarrassing. You're not cool, and you need to deal with that. And so I try to honor my youngest daughter or both of my daughters wherever I can. And so in honor of them, I would like to throw shade at them this week, show that I'm still hip, and name the sermon Hashtag Christian Living. So Hashtag Christian Living is the name of the sermon this way. Love you, sweetie. Thank you very much. All right, so it's one thing to say that your goal is to have a relationship with Christ. It's another thing to actually live that out, right? I mean, I meet people all the time that, that say they want a, a Christ-first relationship, that they want a marriage that is honoring Christ. They, they want to point to Jesus. I, I meet people all the time that tell me that is what their desire is in their life, but yet their lives show that it's really lip service and they're not living it out. I don't need to give examples. You, you know who you are. A matter of fact, all of us could stand to grow in Christ, right? I mean, all of us could stand to grow and be closer to Jesus. And the fact that you're here today shows that you have a desire to to grow in Christ, to know more about Jesus, to to live that out. But I can't force you to grow in Christ, right? I mean, what you do when you leave here matters. How you put the Word into practice, it matters. I I can't stand beside you and say, "Oh, oh, you need to do this. No, you need to have a desire to grow in your relationship with King Jesus. Now, I will say this, that here at this church, we will strongly encourage you to grow in Christ. Uh, One of our mottos in this church is to get comfortable being what? They know it well. It's not just a motto that is something that we say. It is what we live out in our lives. It's something that we want to encourage each other to grow in Christ. Matter of fact, if you've been in this church a while, can you testify that you are encouraged and you are growing in Christ? I mean, it is something that you desire to do, and so we're not going to see this community turned upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ if we're just being hearers of the word and not doers of the word. But if we come together, if each of us come together and take what we hear and we put it into practice, the devil does not stand a chance in this community. Matter of fact, the devil's story is already written; he will not prevail. And he will not prevail in any place in this community, into the communities that we reside, because we are going to shine the light of Christ into every corner of this town. And it's something that, that it's gonna take for all of us to get together and live this out in our lives that this is gonna happen. This admonition, this exhortation is not just for those who, who are I feel called to go out and witness to people. This is an admonition for each and every single person in this church, for someone who has been in church for 50 years, to someone who's just walking in here for the first time today. God can use you to push back the darkness in this town. Do you believe that? When we look at this passage this morning, we we really see what it means to to live this out. We we see Paul just kind of writing to the church of Philippi and he's sharing this. One of the things that you must do, that you must have if you want to be used by God to live out his mission, uh, his story for his glory is you must have a holy discontentment. You must have a holy discontentment in your life. Look with me at verse 12 and verse 13, where Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. If you look at Paul, you could see someone that you would say has lived a successful Christian life. He has been, as a matter of fact, when he writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he has been a Christian for about 25 years at this point. He has been on three missionary journeys. He has seen and planted churches all over the place. He has pushed back darkness. He has been beaten, he has been jailed. He's Matter of fact, he's in jail again. He almost died for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If anybody could say that they have made it or that they have finished their race, it is Paul. Yet, he is not only writing to the church of Philippi to keep growing in Christ. He is saying, I've got to do that myself. There's more that Christ wants to do for me in my life. I haven't finished my race. I have a holy discontentment to keep growing in Christ. There's more for Christ to do in my life because he understands how far Christ has brought him in his own life. He understands what he was delivered from. He wanted to experience more of Christ. He wanted to be more like Christ. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that you want to be more like Christ? Christ. That you want to experience more of Christ? You want to keep growing more in Christ? You want to experience everything that Christ has for you in your life? Is the Holy Spirit telling you that there's more for you? That that he wants you to do more than you're already doing? I mean, it's okay to testify. Raise your hands, clap, say amen or something. I'm saying, I brought my own witness. If you weren't going to give one this morning. Do you feel like Christ has more for you in your life? Do you feel like he can use you? And see, Paul says, look, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect person. And yet, I know that I'm going to press on to make it my own. And you got to ask yourself, what is he saying to make his own? And that is to be as much as like Christ as possible. He desired to experience as much of Christ as he possibly could because Christ has made him his own. He understood as much as he possibly could that where he was heading was eternal damnation. He was heading to hell, but Christ, but Christ, rich in his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness came in and saved him from the pits of hell and showed him eternity in heaven. This is what what Christ did in Paul's life, and he knew that Christ had made him his own, although he did not deserve it. None of us deserve heaven, we deserve hell, but Christ, but Christ, rich in his mercy, and his love, and his grace, and his forgiveness, have made those who have proclaimed him Lord of their lives, his own. Isn't that something to be excited about, church? That is something to to be thankful for, right? Hell is not a fictional story. It is a reality for those who do not know Christ Jesus. Paul understood this. Paul understood that that is where he was heading. And that is what people are heading that do not know Christ Jesus. And he had a holy discontentment in his life to keep growing and to keep being used by God to take as many people to heaven as possible. Do you have that desire for the lost people? in your community? Do you have that desire for the lost people and hope well that you don't know how it's going to happen, but you know that you want, to, you want to keep getting uncomfortable for Jesus? And Paul understood this. He understood that every time he took a step out of his comfort zone, Christ showed up and showed off. And he got the experience, but he was the one that was blessed. He was the one that was blessed because he understood that he got to see Jesus more clearly than he ever had. I love what C.T. Studd says. I've said it before and I bear saying again that he says, if Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then there's no sacrifice too great for me to make for him. If Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, is it really a sacrifice to want to be as much like him as possible? Is that a sacrifice in your life? See, this is what it means to have a holy discontentment. Some of you that are here today, you have a discontentment. You have a discontentment with where you are in your life. You have a discontentment with your situation, your job, your marriage, uh, just your addictions and things that you're, you're, you're going through in your life. And you're trying to find contentment in all different things. You're trying to find contentment in drugs and alcohol and unhealthy and ungodly relationships, but you will not find contentment from anything but a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what Paul is saying. I'm not perfect, I fall short every day, but every day I pick up and I try to look more like Jesus. You gotta have a holy discontentment in your life. Secondly, and this is a short phrase in verse 13, you must have a life that is devoted. When when the scripture says, but one thing, we see that one thing is very important in the Bible. Jesus tells the rich man, there's one thing that you lack. Jesus tells Martha that one thing is necessary. The blind man says, I was blind, but one thing I do know. I was blind, but now I can see. The psalmist says, one thing I have desired of the Lord. We live in a day and time where we are focused on everything and not devoted to anything. This is the what we're in today. This is what our lives are really like. If you really want to grow in Christ, if you want to live for Christ, then you must be focused on Christ. You must be devoted for Christ. That is one thing I do know. When you live a life that is focused on Christ, it literally changes everything in your life. If you're at the baseball field, you realize it's not about winning a baseball game, it's about pointing people to Jesus. It makes the baseball game a lot funner. When you're doing things at work, you know you realize it's not about a paycheck, but God has you there for a reason, to point people to himself. When Christ is your focus, it changes your whole outlook on life. Your one thing must be Christ, you must be devoted to Christ. The funny thing about this is, and the sad thing, that goes with church life as well. You know, the reason the churches are not pushing back the darkness, the reason people are, our churches are not seeing people one to Christ is that we focus on too many things. We try to do program after program, and yet we're not focused on what Christ wants for our fellowship of believers. I love the story of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody is one of the great evangelists of all time. D.L. Moody got saved in Boston, and he started a church in Chicago, and he was involved in everything. He started, uh, worked in the YMCA. He he started Sunday school classes. He he did evangelical missions, tongue-tied there. He did everything in his life. If it was church work, he wanted to do it. He was involved in everything in the church. It wasn't until the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 did his priorities get in order. He knew that he wanted to spend his life, the rest of the life that, that God had for him, telling people about Jesus. And the result was millions came to Christ. He knew that that focusing on one thing would be better for the kingdom than try to spread himself doing a lot of things not well. And I think when we look at this, we need to understand that each and every single one of us has a spiritual gift. Each and every single one of you here today has a spiritual gift that God has given you to be used for his glory. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? You know, one thing to do and one thing to figure out what your spiritual gift is, is to serve in areas where your spiritual gift is not, right? I know one thing that God did not call me to be a children's pastor. There's no way that God called me to be a children's pastor. I found out that was not my spiritual gift really quickly doing helping hands with a three-year-old trying to strangle me and ride me like a horse. It's not gonna happen. All right. So, but I know that my spiritual gift is preaching and exhortation. This is what God has used me for. And so I think that we need to understand this because each of us have a spiritual gift. And as this church grows, we, we, we want to pull back people from doing multiple jobs to focus on what God has gifted them to do. We, we, when we focus on what God has gifted you to do, then you will see God do abundantly more than you could ever think or ask. But the same thing goes for the church as well. We're not gonna try to do everything in the church. We're not gonna try to be involved in every program. If another church is doing something really well, then God bless them. We're not into competing with churches, we're into cooperating with churches. This is what our desire should be. What has God placed this church to do to live out our mission for his glory? We must be focused on the things that best fulfill the Great Commission and point people to Christ. What is the one thing that God has gifted you with? Do it well, learn all about it, study about it, learn different ways to be used for his glory and do it. Thirdly, it's a directional life. 13B says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love this story. I've told it before and I'll tell it again because it's just awesome. My uh, college roommate, he thought he was so fast and he wanted to prove how fast he was. So he wanted to run while I rode a bike. Yeah, you know, remember that story? He, he, he ran as fast as he could to prove to me that he was as fast or faster than I was on a bike. So here we go, we're taking off and he is, uh, he is running and I'm on the bike and he starts to pull ahead of me. And I'm running, I'm going as fast as I can in the bike, and he's running, and he's looking back at me, taunting me, saying, you think you're fast, you think you're fast, look at me, until he ran right into a light post. He shattered his knee, and I passed him by, I said, look at you, look at you. And uh, don't judge me, I wasn't a Christian back then, all right? But it was funny, and I enjoyed it. But this is the problem with, with Christians today. We spend so much time looking back that we're not looking forward at the cross, We spend so many times in our life looking at everything around us. And, 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 you know, it's like when Peter, when he got out the boat, he was doing fine when he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, what happened? He started to drown. See, the churches aren't focused on the cross. They're so easily swayed. And we have to remember what lies ahead of us. And when Paul says, forgetting what is behind, he's not saying that that you gotta forget what you've been through in your life. He's saying, look, don't dwell on the past, but let God use the past to drive you in the future. That goes with successes and failures. And Paul literally could have been somebody who, who says, you know what? This worked in the past. Why is it not working now? This worked when I started the church over here. Why is it not working now? Paul says forget all that part and focus on the cross, what Christ has for you in the future. What does God want for you and how does he want to use you in the future? But that goes the other way as well. You know the reason that God is not using a lot of you here today? It's you. It's you. You're letting your past hold you back. You're letting things that you have gone through or dealt with in your life, and the devil is just having a field day with you. They're saying, you know what? God couldn't possibly use me for the things. If God knew the things that I did, guess what? God knows the things that you did, and he still loves you and still wants a relationship with you and says if you would just come to him and, and ask for forgiveness, he will not only forgive you, he will forget. Isn't this a great thing about Christ Jesus? Like whatever you have been through in your life, God wants to use for his glory. I don't care if you struck. Matter of fact, one of the things that is on my heart and it was just kind of affirmed today is I know that there is a huge heroin problem here in Hopewell. And you know the answer to the heroin problem in Hopewell? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel can change this town. So if you've had a problem in the past with substance abuse, guess what? God can use your past to heal people in the present for for their future, to point them to Jesus. It can happen. Whatever you've done in your past, whatever you've been through in your past, God can use for his glory. Do you believe that? You, You can't be focused so much on the past that you're not letting God use you in the future. Man, man you've got to understand this. Discipline life. Discipline life. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul says mature believers should think this way. A mature believer should, should think this way. We, we should understand that we need to keep focusing on Christ, that, that we need every single day to wake up and look at the cross, to, to think about Christ Jesus. He says, if a mature believer should think this way, we should point to Jesus in everything that we do. And he says, if in any other thing, if in anything that you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. In other words, if you are constantly looking for other ways, if you're looking for other paths, or you're looking at other false teachers, God will has a way of revealing those things to you. But a mature believer, a mature believer should gather together. And Paul says it like this. Paul says, imitate me and imitate those who, who, who focus on the cross and run the race as quick and as fast as you can with them. But Paul also says there's other people, the the other people who who their belly is their glory and and they want the shame. They they understand that this world is what they want. This world is what they can have and this world can leave it as they want because we have a citizenship that is in heaven. Do you understand that? That our citizenship is not here regardless of where you're from. If you're from the United States of America, your citizenship is not the United States of America. Your citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that a glorious thing to think about and to glory in? that we have an eternal home that is awaiting for us. And we are here for a season to make much of Jesus and to point people to Jesus. And so my question for you this morning that I get out of this passage, we see the things that we have to do, but when Paul says, imitate me, do you have someone in your life that is worth imitating? Do you have a Paul in your life that is somebody who you want to run the race like, that is constantly pointing you to Jesus, that is sharpening you, that is helping you run the race? Do you have somebody like that in your life? Amen. I encourage you. I encourage you to find that person, to walk beside them, let them sharpen you, and let them point you to Jesus. But the second question I have for you this morning, would somebody choose you as a life worth imitating. Would somebody choose you as a life worth imitating? When, when I think about this passage, I understand that, look, none of us are perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all have room to improve, right? But I, I want to live a life that is honoring Christ. And, and I don't have to look behind me. I don't have to look look anywhere but right in front of me. And as a matter of fact, I always um, this is good for my, 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 my daughters. I'm thankful that I have a a godly son-in-law. I was just told his father-in-law's day, so he's taking me out to eat, thank you very much. All right, here we go, all right, there we go. But I'm thankful that my daughter has a, a godly husband and we're running the race together. We're running the race and trying to become more like Christ together. And I've always said, if you're looking for a relationship, run as fast to Jesus as you can. And if anyone keeps up with you, introduce yourself to them. Are you running the race to the cross this morning? Are you focused on the cross this morning? See, some of us here today that we're dwelling on the past and we're letting the past keep us from having the relationship with Christ that we need. And So this time of invitation, I'm just going to ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the first thing we need to deal with this morning. We need to realize that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our wages for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Romans 10 says it like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Do you know Jesus Christ is Lord of your life this morning? If not, after our prayer, I'm gonna invite you to respond, to come down this aisle and let's talk about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But maybe you're somebody here today that, that knows that you want to run the race and you're not running the race that you want. I wanna pray with you this morning to release all that baggage, whatever it is that is holding you back from running the race. And we're gonna release you to go and to push back darkness in this town because I believe that God can use each and every single one of you, regardless of what you've done, where you've been or what you've been through, God can use each and every single one of you to show people Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Then I'm gonna ask you to respond, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I thank you for being a God who who loves us, a God who who saves us, Lord, who, who desires a relationship with us. Lord, despite every crazy thing that we've ever done in our life, you still love us. You desire to have a relationship with us. And so, Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, I know there's a holy discontentment that's happening in many people in this room today. There's people who know that they need to really get serious about serving you and walking with you. And Lord, I'm somebody who can testify the week is so busy that i spend time doing everything, but having time with you often. And so Lord, I pray at this time of invitation that we really look inside of our hearts and say, are we running to the cross? Are we focused on the cross? And Lord, we would repent of the things that are keeping us from really making you a priority in our lives.